0: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. From our team to you, welcome to season two of Convert Central. In season one, we've had the privilege of interviewing fifteen converts across the months of Ramadan and Shawwal. This season, we have created a plethora of topics for every Muslim, regardless of our background, our interests, and our races. We pray that every podcast that we upload will be beneficial to you guys. And meanwhile, enjoy listening to Season 2 of Convert Central.
1: Assalamualaikum everyone. Welcome back to Women in Islam. So the last episode we were joined by Sis Safira, and we talked about our relationships with our hijabs from a convert standpoint and my standpoint being born into a Muslim family. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to her story and it was very inspirational considering that she took it upon herself to make that decision. So if you haven't listened to the episode, you totes should. Okay, moving on to today's episode, this will be a two-part series where we talk about our general experiences as Muslim women today in Singapore, just in general. Again, same as last episode, this series is meant to be intimate and comfortable. So all views expressed are our own. Hopefully, as you listen to our experiences and how we've dealt with them, you might gain a better understanding of what it's like to be a Muslimah. And if you encounter similar experiences, I hope you gain some comfort in knowing that you're not alone in this. So I want to talk about this in my series because I like to give more agency to actual Muslim women to talk about their individual experiences, hoping that our listeners would gain a better understanding of the realities of being Muslimas today. And perhaps this may address some common misconceptions or assumptions people have about Muslimas, especially convert Muslim women who may have a totally different set of challenges to face in dispelling such assumptions in their process. So talking about personal experiences may bring some comfort to Muslims who have to deal with such similar scenarios. So any advice in overcoming such uh, cases would be helpful too that you you might listen to today. Okay, so that's enough of me talking. Let's get to know our guests for today, Sister Arisa and Kaylee. Okay, so before we get into the crux of the episode, uh, I kind of want to give each of them at least five to ten minutes to introduce
2: themselves and a brief convert story. So let's get into this. So Assalamu alaikum, my name is Kaylee, and I'm Dutch, born and raised in the Netherlands in Amsterdam, which is a very multicultural city and which is where, where I met a lot of Muslims, amongst them my best friend. And she actually introduced me to Islam from a very young age, Actually, I. When I would go to her house, I would see her parents. And of course they were praying, they were fasting. So I saw a lot of the things that I didn't see in my house. And, um, but of course I was young and I wasn't really very into that. Uh, but then later on when my friend was actually having um, kind of a religious, um, revelation she was like okay i need to learn more about islam so she asked me to to join her in that uh, which i was very hesitant uh, at first but i went with her to the mosque and uh, there were lectures every sunday for young women and it was so interesting that i kept going every week and then after that i started reading books and researching on on the internet and i think it took me about a year and then I was like, yeah, I should do it before I get hit by a train or something. And then it's too late. <laughs> uh, so then that's when I did my shahad, which was 15 years ago. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's very that's very cool. How how you've gotten introduced to Islam
1: through your friend. And then you actually took it upon yourself to learn more about it. And it took you a whole year. That's actually I don't know if that's long or short, <laughs> but it's but it's cool. Okay, that's very interesting. Thank you for sharing. Okay, sis Arisa?
0: Yeah. Well, if you thought that was long, I think mine was longer <laughs> because I found Islam. I started reading about Islam when I was 18 and I only converted in when I was 22. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like Kelly, I was also introduced to Islam uh, through a friend who actually um, gave me this question. Uh, he asked what, because I was a Christian before, so he said, what was Christianity's um, point of view on the topic of Judgment Day? So there was a very heavy topic to, you know, to be introduced <laughs> to Islam, but I did try to, that was where I started reading the Bible again before we were not really practicing much so I started reading the bible you know taking it out and like okay what is this what did, what does it have to say about day of judgment but I, I did not really find um, adequate answers from there you know so to broaden my view on that I decided to do my own research on what was um, Islam's point of view on day of judgment so from there, uh, that was where my research took me to other aspects such as, you know, there are similarities between like the prophets, the messengers, you know, I didn't know that we shared so many similarities, but then going forward, like I also realized like how as a Christian, you know, like there were so many things that were um, introduced into the religion by men and not by God. So I started questioning that and um, especially the part about the Trinity, I never really got that concept, even as a Christian, I always question it. I thought it was weird, like, why would God have three parts, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when Islam introduced to me, like, the concept that God is one, you know, I really... Felt like Okay This is what You know This is what I feel Is correct You know So There was like No looking back After that (laughs) Yeah (laughs) Oh Y'all have been Really
1: blessed with Like The clarity To be able to See like Or maybe I should explore this further And like Pursue a whole year Or like four years Into looking into Islam And stuff It's very It's very enlightening (laughs) inspirational considering that I didn't have to do that. But I myself wasn't that I didn't get religious until like maybe a few years ago because before that I just didn't really bother to look into it. But wow, this is very interesting. I think I actually I think on the on that note, the number of years doesn't really even matter because this is like a it's a huge step to take. It's kind of like your whole life changes once you say your shahada or even once you start looking into Islam further because it's like a it de- it, your
0: whole life de- kind of de- depends on it, right? Yeah, so the timeline doesn't even matter. Yeah, I remember I went to Darwakam um, like three times just for the basic course in Islam. <laughs> you know, just to make sure like, okay, this is the right choice, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a huge step. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very proud of y'all for taking on, taking on this. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. Okay, let's get into the episode itself. So I want to ask yeah, this very broad general question. Uh, how has your experience been so far in relation to your identity as a Muslim woman? Like, uh, have you had to change any of your practices from before you converted? Uh, any? How do you feel from what you learned when you made those changes? And have people treated you differently because you're a Muslim woman or like a woman in general? Yeah, any of that, you can go get into those details.
2: Um, yeah, for me, uh, I mean... I, I'm from the Netherlands, and of course, it's not a Muslim country. There are a lot of Muslims living there, though, but there's a big stigma on Islam and a lot of bias and uh, mostly negative. So uh, when I came out saying that I actually when I said that I was interested, uh, it was already like, why would you be interested in that? Are you sure? Did you forget about 9-11? And you know, all of the usual things that you hear in the Western world when you speak about Islam. And um, I try to like brush it off, especially in the beginning, because you're not strong enough to, and you're not knowledgeable enough to answer the questions that they're as- actually asking. And, um, but then once I, I mean, obviously, once you make the decision to wear hijab, it's very obvious that you've, that you're a Muslim, which is one of the reasons I actually chose to wear hijab immediately, because I felt it was part of my identity. And um, so, yes, of course, uh, I get a lot of questions as, like, why would you cover up, especially living in a society where it's, more normal to not cover up and to show as much as you can. And uh, yeah, that was, and still is uh, a bit of something, yeah, something that people still question and don't understand. Um, but for me, it is, um, it is actually a huge relief. Once I started wearing hijab, covering up, I felt like people were seeing me and hearing me and not just seeing, um, seeing the body, seeing the face, seeing the hairs, you know, seeing the beauty, just seeing me and hearing me. And um, I mean, I'm saying that, but also you kind of fade away because it's like, okay, so she's a Muslim woman. She it doesn't matter. She doesn't matter. She has no say, she has no voice. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, it has, there's two points to the, to, but I, for me, it's it's very much um, empowering actually.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the way you view it, right? I'm sure you, you it. I mean, you exercise your agency in wanting to wear the hijab. That's like right. a huge, a huge move of empowerment in the first place, but somehow people just don't think of it the same way as we do, unfortunately. And they just like, they think that everybody undergoes like some forced oppression in order to wear the hijab, which is very weird, but I guess that's that's where we've ended up (laughs) so far. Especially because the hijab is a very visual representation. I think we talked about this in our hijab episode, but it really puts us in a spot when especially now, when Islamophobia is like even worse, right? We are kind of the f- ones who face the brunt of Islamophobia just because we are like so visually Islamic. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Is it? Do you? Are you currently living in in Netherlands? Now?
2: No. 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 Yeah. In Singapore. No, right? I live in Singapore. Yes. Okay. Which is very different, actually. I feel uh, in in the Netherlands and I think in Europe in general, um, it's uh, a lot um how do you say that um i mean here i feel i feel free and i feel like i can do and wear what i want as in religion wise and there's no judgment i mean i've been here for seven years now and um for me it's been actually very very liberating living here yeah
1: It's really helpful to have like a sizable Muslim community where you are, I guess. And also, I mean, of course, the way Singapore, like the way uh, the government also handles this kind of issues yes. is a lot more different than Europe. Very
2: different. Very, very different. Everything. Freedom of speech that mm. is mostly used as a freedom to hurt other people and insult them mm. and degrade them, which yes. is definitely not, uh, would never happen here in Singapore, which is such a relief
1: Yeah, for sure Yeah, I think you would have um, Gone through much different experiences If you had continued to stay there, right? Yeah, wouldn't... absolutely Yeah. Well, okay, so yeah, wearing the hijab was One of your lifestyle changes That you've had to take Once you've converted Is there any yes. other things That you've had to
2: change Like the way you act Or anything else? Uh, yes, I've, because I, especially Once you wear hijab it's very much you have a responsibility because it's like you, uh, you're you like a walking sign for Islam. <laughs> so um, you should always be very conscious of what you do. I mean, it, 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 you should be that way anyway because we all know that Allah's watching everything that we do and everything we say, <laughs> but uh, wearing that, you know just being like a a representation of of your religion is it's a big responsibility and it makes you very very aware and i think it makes us act more responsible
1: yeah for sure i think i also went through that because i remember last time when i when i was hanging out with some other muslims right they used to comment whenever they saw like a hijabi like laughing really loudly or like acting as like a nuisance or something she's always the first one to get criticized because she's wearing a hijab right it's very easy to be like oh wow how can a hijabi act like this in public which right. is quite sad that we have to go through such scrutiny <laughs> but i guess in a way when we put on our hijab we also have to kind of um we are more self-conscious of how we have to act because we are muslims right so that yes. ma- yeah that makes sense um how about sis arisa
0: I, I agree about that, uh, definitely, you know, because you're, you're the one upholding the religion, like, you know, unlike our revert brothers who are not that conspicuous when they revert, you know, like our sisters where we don't the hijab is like, okay, everyone, everybody like, there's a big, huge signboard on your head saying like, look, I'm Muslim, you know, so subconsciously or consciously, we are like, okay, we have to be aware of like what we do, right? but okay so a lot of lifestyle changes for me i mean islam itself is a way of life so it's not just about prayers or fasting or going to the mosque so it it encompasses like your whole lifestyle so you know whenever it comes to making a decision or a plan you know once i became muslim i just became like more uh conscious like and think okay I'm gonna be doing this. Like, I had to schedule my outings and my plans around prayers, uh, you know. So, <laughs> hey, I cannot meet you at this time. I gotta meet you after Margaret. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, oh, where am I going? Like, is there a place there to salat? You know, is there a musola there? Uh, I'm more aware of like what I wear. You know, like, okay, is this covering up properly? You know, can Will I be able to pray in this? And I think eating out with friends was also kind of a challenge, especially when I hit out with, like, my non-Muslim friends because um, I kind of feel bad when they had to conform and go out to, like, restaurants or cafes that had to conform to, to be halal, you know? So I did kind of lose quite a bit of friends, you know? Because you know you don't get asked out to certain places anymore once you're a Muslim. They're definitely not gonna ask you to go to the clubs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was a, quite a huge lifestyle change. But I think like one of the biggest challenges was um, uh, my parents, because it took my mom especially uh, quite a long time to accept my decision. And I think one of the biggest aspect was the hijab because it was there for her to see, you know. So I don't know why, but um, she seemed to be more accepting or maybe not just her, but everyone. It was like more accepting of them to see us dressed up in like short skirts and like, you know, short dresses rather than modest clothing, you know, you get you get like remarks such as like, oh, you know, those clothes make you look so frumpy. Or like, why well, you dress like a bag, you know. So I think in the past, like we would, I would, you know, maybe use like your beauty to get what you want. Okay. Like, okay. Career-wise, you know, you just wear something <laughs> short and the bosses will be like, oh, okay. Like this girl looks good and presentable and all. We, we should hire her. But, you know, now that you wear a hijab, you're like more valued for the way you, your intellect, you know, your opinions, your education, like who you truly are as a person. So I feel like a sense of fulfillment, you know, like not just because I'm submitting to the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also like I'm respecting my body. I'm no longer a slave to like the rules of like liberal, modern fashion you know, how people perceive beauty to be, you know, by modern standards. So I felt like okay, I was chasing like this there was no purpose in my life before, like I was just chasing a senseless mirage and you know, like, now that now that I've converted, like, I feel like, okay, there's a sense of purpose in the way I live. And, yeah, I'm just, like, I feel free and empowered, like, you know, because I'm free from the, the need of being accepted by by others. And now my priorities are, are right. You know, Alhamdulillah, I hope, inshallah, I hope they are right, you know, that we should be submitting to Allah first, you know.
1: Wow, oh, thank you so much for sharing that Yeah, actually you brought up a few interesting points Like how you talked about Now you have to think about How, how you're going to pray when you go out and stuff You know what? This is actually specific to women Because guys can pray like almost anywhere Right? right. And it's a lot easier for the, Somehow it's a lot easier for them to like Find places to take voodoo And they can just like pray on the streets or something Sometimes right. it's just like, a lot harder for us to find places We have to find like a room or something Yeah so that's an additional point, right? <laughs> that's also what I've had to face recently because I've only, I only started wearing the hijab after I finished my like college, my like junior college. So only when I was like 19 or 20, I started wearing it. So ever since then, I've been more conscientious with my prayers as well. <laughs> so that's when I realized that it's just really hard for us to pray outside. Something I didn't realize before. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. Yeah, and also you mentioned that you you had to reevaluate your friendships with people because certain groups of your friends um obviously they treasure certain practices more than others like that like you, you mentioned clubbing and drinking and stuff that's i guess it's quite sad but then again in like the grand scheme of things you know you have to prioritize your religion right it happens uh that was like one of my fears also when i after i started wearing hijab i was scared that i would lose friends which was a huge deal breaker to me but I realized after a while that it really shouldn't matter because your friends aren't going to uh, answer for you in the hereafter, right? It's going to be you. So you have to take ownership of your of your own choices. Yeah, it's right. a good point. And you also mentioned your your issues with having to overcome your challenges in conveying your, your desire to turn to Islam to your parents, right? Yes. So you've had to deal with a few different social circles in your journey. Mashallah, you got through all of it. And you are here today practicing. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Thank you so much for both of you for sharing your uh, insights on how you had to deal with lifestyle changes. Actually, on that note, I've also wondered uh, if you've had to kind of not only your lifestyle, but the way you thought about Islam, for example, because I know certain things that I had to question when I was learning more about Islam, like how... Uh, you know, you can't. Sometimes you can't really make decisions without your mahrams knowing, or stuff like that. And so I'm like, now I'm curious to know if you guys had to encounter, like, when you're learning more about Islam and more about your, like, uh, how you're gonna be a woman in Islam. How did you have to deal with learning more about this? And did you have any concerns? And how you overcame them?
2: I, I mean, to begin with, I didn't have any, uh, any expectations or things that I was worried about. And then um, uh, while doing research, and um, I mean, you, you were just saying about mahram. I mean, I'm an only child, and my dad is not really in the picture. So I, I had no mahram. I have three now, alhamdulillah, <laughs> but, but I never had any. So for me, it was, if there's anything that I need to do with a mahram, then I yeah, I thought, how am I going to do that when I have no mahram? But then of course you learn that you can, You can, that there are other ways that you can, you know, it doesn't have to be a blood and you can make sure that you have someone that can function as a mahram for you. But yeah, no, that was maybe one of the things, but apart from that, I think, um, not really. And the only thing is that, um, like, what you see in a lot of, um, um, like, where I'm from. So we had a lot of um, Moroccan and Turkish uh, uh, Muslims. And, of course, I think also here, I think it's everywhere. Um, Once um, a lot of Islam and culture gets mixed up. And then it's hard to, to, to see what it, what's Islam and what's actually the culture. So before actually learning about uh, Islam, of course you, you see the Muslims and, but you don't realize a lot of what they do is actually culture and it's not Islam. So maybe things that uh, in the beginning I thought, oh, I might have some trouble with this, like the way the, the difference between men and, and women and, like men are allowed more than women or stuff like that. But then once you actually do your research, you find out that it's, there's a lot of nuance and that it's not a, so black and white as, you, as a lot of people think, especially non-Muslims that are viewing this as well. So I think that was, for me, that was the only thing that I, in the beginning, I, I, was, I was a little bit worried about, but alhamdulillah, I know better now. <laughs> How about Cesarisa?
0: Um, yeah, I think I think the part about uh, where did, where Sis mentioned about culture and religion, I think that's a really big thing here in Singapore actually, because you know, Singapore has like this Malay dominant Muslim community. So yeah, I often get stereotyped as you know or assumed to be a Malay, like when I wear the hijab. <laughs>
2: I don't get that
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like They will start speaking to me in Malay <laughs> You know And then if you don't speak Malay They, they, they assume that you're just being Stuck up or something <laughs> Oh, wow <laughs> you know? so yeah. When That's you tell them, oh, I'm, I'm actually Chinese, then they'll, they'll just assume Oh, okay, so you converted because You married a Malay? Yes
2: <laughs> That's the biggest, the biggest prejudice they have of, you know, but I think men, men, men face the same, though, is that if you're converted, oh, you must, you must have married, you know, you must have a, a Muslim spouse or a Muslim boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And it's, it's always the first thing that they ask you or that they assume is why you converted to Islam, which is ridiculous.
0: Is not it a bit it's sad for them to accept that they, you know, that we married someone? I mean, mm-hmm. we converted out of marriage instead of, you know, finding it out on our own. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, it's a bit sad that that's like the only way they think that people convert into Islam is through marriage, right? Like, there's so no many way exactly. other ways. Like, by Islam, by virtue of being itself, is a is enough to attract people into the religion, not just marriage, right?
2: Right. And I think even there's no such thing as converting for someone else, because I, like uh, sis Arisa said, it's, it's a lifestyle, and it's not a lifestyle that is easy if you don't believe, actually really believe. I mean, how, how, can you, you know, how can you go through the rights without actually believing in it? So I always think it's a ridiculous assumption but yeah, it's, it's there, and I think it's always going to be there.
1: Yeah, it's hard to get rid of such right. ingrained like, stereotypes and assumptions, right? And you mentioned about being mistaken for being a Malay. I get it too, and it's really strange for me, because like I clearly don't look like a Malay person, <laughs> but you know... It's just the hijab like before i was wearing a hijab i never was i've never been mistaken to be a malay but for some reason after wearing a hijab people just think that islam equals to malay which yeah, is yes. just like
2: or arabic because yeah. i get confused people ask me if i'm if if i'm because my i mean obviously i have no malay features <laughs> <laughs> but but they will ask me I mean, because I have my the color of my eyes is light, so they they usually issue assume I am either Turkish or from Lebanon because there's there's no such thing as a Western or like a a European woman being Muslim. The the concept is still lost on them.
1: This is like a very this is a very like Singapore specific kind of experience (laughs) (laughs) what we're going through.
0: I think it only
1: happens in this part of Asia actually. Yeah, probably. Like Southeast <laughs> Asia, right? Because majority are either Malay or Indonesian, I guess, right? Probably. Yeah, that yeah. Makes sense. It's also the way the way we've learned about multiracial, multi-religious, you know, Indian is Hindu <laughs> and Malay, Malay is Muslim, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I get that. I understand how you feel about that. Okay. So I think we've gone through how we've uh, how we've had to change some of our lifestyle uh, after conversion and how we've had to deal with such issues as being Muslim women. Actually, when you brought up the culture issue, and that's what I wanted to bring up in the next section because we're going to talk about oh. assumptions and misconceptions. So that's a great segue because <laughs> I wanted to talk about, I feel like that's a huge other issue, right, which I've also come to realize after looking into Islam more is that some of the things that I thought were Islamic were, was actually not. It's just like, Indian Muslim practices or like Indian practices that were kind yeah. of into the religion for some reason. And I think that's like a huge other thing to deal with uh, which you guys might have I'm not sure if you guys might have to deal with that because you all were from Western and Chinese right backgrounds. So actually I'm kind of interested to know more about that as well. So okay. So thanks to the great segue brought up by Sister Kelly, we can end our first part of Women in Islam today. In the next episode, which will come out later in this week, we will talk about culture more about culture, some advice from the both sisters about how to deal with conversion, uh, more in-depth experiences on how we deal with misconceptions and assumptions that people might have about Muslim women. And we'll kind of wrap up our entire series in the next episode. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've gained a lot from this understanding about women in Islam. And we'll see you in the next episode, inshallah. Thank you so much for tuning in. Assalamualaikum.